friends, and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we invite presence, inspire purpose, and ignite passion to spread God's love throughout the world. My name is Annie Lobert, and I am not only a speaker, a host of Annie's Pink Chair, but I am also an author, and I run a ministry that helps women get out of sex trafficking. I want to share with you today about that very subject, sex trafficking. What is it? Well, let me tell you, it's in our Bibles. Believe it or not, there's trafficking, slavery, and sex trafficking. It goes way back to the dawn of the creation of man. But the general definition in the government is any type of situation where someone is being forced into a situation that they don't want to be in, they're being lied to, being fraudulently told something that's not true, so it coerces them into doing something to help a situation that they're caught up in when they're entrapped in, let's say, labor without getting paid, selling their body for sex. It's anytime someone is forced to do something against their will, and that could even look like any type of abuse, even being a child and being abused in their own home and then having that family member invite someone else over to the house to abuse the child is considered exploitation of that child. Today, I want to share my story with you. Some of you don't know who I am. Next year will be 20 years I have worked in the anti-trafficking field. And let me tell you, I am very proud of myself because it was almost 20 years ago. It's when I overdosed. And actually, to be honest with you, it was 20 years ago. I overdosed was August 2nd, 2003 is my 20-year anniversary of overdosing on cocaine and alcohol. I was in a really bad, desperate situation. I was severely depressed without hope. I didn't feel like living. Have you ever been to a place like that in your life? You might not have been trafficked like me, but this is what happens when you lose all hope and you lose all self-worth and you don't know who you are, and you don't know your own identity, you don't know why you're here, you don't know your purpose in life, you feel like you're lost, you feel like there's no plan for your life, you've had your heart broken more times than you could count. And that's what was happening to me for the setup of me being eventually exploited into the sex industry. It didn't happen overnight, the devil works real slow sometimes, you guys. He comes at us and starts when we were young. When I was very young, my father was an alcoholic. He quit drinking probably when I was about three years old. But just because he quit drinking did not mean that the abuse that he was giving my mom and us children, I had a sister and two brothers, the abuse he was spreading towards us, my dad was a very mean, sober person. And he would growl through the house when he would come home from work. He would stomp through the house. He had a belt 
that we would have to pull our pants down if we were bad in his eyes, if we didn't do something that he wanted us to do, he would whip us and actually draw welts and bruises and bleeding from our skin. I remember many different instances. My father would be yelling names at my mother. He would scream at her. He would call her names. He would swear. And then all of a sudden he would punch her in her eyes, smack her across her face. And then there would be blood dripping down her blouse onto the floor. And sometimes this would happen in the car. There would be blood splattered all over the car. He would be punching her and hitting her while he was driving his car. It's so crazy because later in my life, I actually found myself in different situations in cars with men that were abusing me, hitting me, same as my mom, while they were driving, trying to what they call in the pimp game, check me. So how does a girl like me, I'm from Minnesota, grow up and become quote unquote sex worker? I don't even like to use those terms to be honest with you. Those are very degrading to me and to many other people that I personally know. Our opinion is there's no such thing as sex work. Sure, at the time, that's what I called it. I felt like it was a choice that I made with my life. But my abuse started way, way before I became a teenager. The devil set me up to believe that I was worth nothing, that I couldn't bring anything good to the table, to the world, that I was ugly, that I was slow, that I was stupid, that I was unattractive to boys. So when the first time a boy gave me attention, I mean, actually it was when I was very young. I just thought he was teasing me. I didn't think he liked me, but I had a lot of boys in school that even then they were chasing me all the way from kindergarten up until I was a teenager. But again, I didn't recognize that as someone liking me. But when I first got my heart broken, I was actually a teenager. I gave this boy everything and I gave him my heart. But not only that, I let him talk me out of giving him my virginity as a gift. And I did that. And I probably never should have done that. But I thought if I didn't give him my virginity, I thought he would never love me again. I honestly thought he would leave me and he would go with some other girls. Well, guess what, you guys? And guess what, ladies out there? And I'm talking to you. If you give up your virginity, it's not going to make him stay. In fact, usually what young guys do, I call them boys because that's what they're acting like because a real man would never do that to you. They've never have sex with you and just take off. A real man would put a ring on your finger and he would marry you and make you an honest woman. But that's not how it happened back then. So my heart got completely broken and shattered in half and I became very rebellious as a teen. I got date raped. I ended up drunk at parties with guys coming on top of me and raping me. And then I finally moved out of my parents' house. I couldn't wait to get away from my father. I semi ran away, so to speak. I got into Minneapolis, got three jobs, got my own place, was very independent, bought my own car, wanted to go to college. And guess what? And this happens to a lot of us. Can't make ends meet. Economy's not doing well. I wanted to go to college, couldn't afford it. My parents didn't have the money. 
I wasn't raised in a wealthy family, even middle class. We were considered below middle class. And so I started going out to the clubs just to get this sense of relief because I was working so hard. And one night my girlfriend and I were at this club and these two men came in with long fur coats. Now who wears long fur coats? Pimps, right? (laughs) This is the old school way of looking at a pimp. You wear a long coat with sunglasses, with, you know, Rolex watches and, you know, Gucci shoes or whatever, alligator shoes. And so these two men, we didn't know it at the time, but they were pimps and they bought us drinks. My girlfriend starts dating one of the guys. She calls me from Hawaii, which by the way, the only time I had ever seen Hawaii was on that TV show, Fantasy Island. Does anyone remember Fantasy Island with Mr. Rourke and the little guy that said, the plane, the plane. So I wanted to go there. I was like, I so want to go to the beach. I want to see a a real palm tree. I'd never seen one in my life. So I went and actually I take that back. I did see my first palm tree in Florida, but I was 14 years old and I was still innocent, but I had never really seen a beautiful beach with the ocean just coming at me with the waves. And I wanted to see it really bad. So I flew to Hawaii. She was there. The first night that I worked, I sold myself. And let me tell you, I did not have a pimp. I was independent. I learned how to make money off Japanese men. I learned how to speak Japanese. And I solicited them, got my money, got back to Minnesota, quit all three of my jobs. And I thought to myself, I would never get a pimp. I would never have anyone tell me what to do with my money and try to control me. I was totally against pimps. And that's another word, friends, for a sex trafficker. Okay. Let me tell you about a pimp. This is a book I wrote called Fallen out of the sex industry and into the arms of the savior. By the way, the arms of the savior is my best friend, Jesus, just to let you know, this is from chapter five and it's called the pimp game. I really want to control the whole whore. I want to be the boss of her life, even her thoughts. I got to con them that Lincoln never freed the slaves. Quote from Iceberg Slim. A pimp is a master manipulator. In fact, I've heard it said many times that pimp stands for power in manipulating people. At first, he acts charming and loving, playing a role of a devoted and committed boyfriend. Ultimately, these winning tactics are used to control and manipulate his prostitute, a.k.a sex trafficking victim, and hold her captive by making her think she will lose his love if she doesn't do what he asks. More times than not, a prostitute is psychologically tricked into thinking that the pimp loves her, will protect her, and will take care of her for the rest of her life. But in reality, The pimp pulls the strings through verbal, mental, and severe physical abuse. A pimp is the master, his victim, his slave. The pimp lifestyle objectifies and exploits women, normalizes sexual abuse. 
This is the pimp subculture, making physical, mental, emotional, and sexual abuse part of the rules of the game. In all reality, the subculture is very similar to ritual abuse that is practiced by cults. My pimp had other pimp families he was friends with and learned from who knew the rules within the game. They would get together and have meetings where they would exchange ideas of how to keep their ladies, aka victims of sex trafficking, in check. When I worked as a prostitute for my pimp, let me rephrase that everyone. When I worked as a trafficking victim for my pimp, I wasn't allowed to keep any of the earnings for myself. So if I was going on a call and was having a bad day emotionally, mentally, or physically, I just had to suck it up and change my attitude to make money. Not going to lie. At first, it was extremely difficult to know that when men touched me, had sex with me, or sexually and physically abused me, I would not receive any of the money I made because I would have to hand it over to my pimp. I called it paid rape because I was forced to work no matter what day it was or how I was feeling. And every dollar I made went right into Julian's pocket. The more I had to do this for my pimp, the more I forced my angry feelings down into the pit of my stomach and my tough girl personality, Fallon, took over. Friends, of course, Fallon wasn't my real name. That was the name that I gave myself in the game. You cannot have your real name because if you have your real name, then your relatives and your friends will find out what you're doing. And I hid all my lifestyle from my family, my closest friends. I moved away from Minneapolis. I lived in Las Vegas. I hid my life from everyone because I didn't want anyone to know. It was a shameful thing for me to know that I was a call girl that was being sold to a trafficker and that I was getting beat down, that I was being forced, that I had guns put to my head, that I had guns put in my mouth, that I was being tied up choked, tortured, and raped. This is the reality, my friends. Sex trafficking is going on whether you want to believe it or not. And I know some of you are probably watching and then you're turning away from the television or you're walking out of the room. And you're going to switch the channel, but I, I beg you or your podcast not to do that because you need to hear the truth that we have this terrible, just, ah. Uh, disgusting, despicable disease called trafficking going on in our country of the United States right now, across our borders, other countries, women and children, boys and girls are being sold left and right to the traffickers' highest bidders. And believe it or not, you would not believe the kind of people that purchase someone like me, someone like a little girl, or a child, or a boy, or any type of community or subculture. It's people that you would never suspect. Bankers, lawyers, judges, pastors. Yeah, 
investors, social media moguls, people that you would never believe, movie stars, athletes, rock stars. I've witnessed it all. And one day I'm going to share the names. There's several of famous movie stars that have died that I actually got purchased from, that they trafficked me. Yes, Hollywood traffics people like me and people maybe next door that you know. So later in my life, I was in this terrible, horrific, abusive, trauma-inducing lifestyle for more than a decade. But the light broke through. And I have to say that I had roots growing up as a little girl. I went to church. My mom showed me faith. She introduced me to Jesus. And I will never forget, I was a little girl. I brought this cross home from Sunday school. And if you put it up to the light, it glowed in the dark. And I never forget holding that cross because I would pray as a little girl, like, please, God, stop. Stop my daddy from hitting my mommy. I don't want my mommy to hurt anymore. And that's how it all starts, my friends. A little abused girl, not knowing her value and her worth, falling for anything because she just wants to be loved by a man that her father could never be. And God rest my dad's soul. My dad accepted Jesus before he died. And uh, my mother recently died. But I have to say this. I'm so thankful. The core of my soul that God's spirit lives inside of me now. On August 2nd, 2003. See, I got out of the first stint of my trafficking on May 18th, 1998. But then I slowly got pulled back into the lifestyle in 2002, end of 2003. And on August 2nd, 2003, the day came where I overdosed on cocaine. And that is the day, my friends, that I cried out to Jesus. And I said, Jesus, would you just save me from myself? I promise I will never ever sell myself again. I will do your will in my life. I will help women like me. And do you know what, everyone? I have never turned back. And I am here right now, dressed in pink, on Annie's pink chair. Yes, the show is named after me because I made a stance against the devil that I would never allow him to traffic me again and have people use me like that. And I made a vow to God that I would help women like me. So we have two houses, the Destiny House and the Dream House that rescues women out of sex trafficking and helps them start brand new. And they are faith-based. We bring them the love of Jesus. Because listen, everyone, Jesus, and I want you to hear me on this, is the original, original trauma-informed care. You want to know why? Because Jesus embodies complete agape love. It's the perfect love that casts out all fear. It's the perfect love of a father, of a mother, of a brother, of a sister, of a family member, of a best friend. It's the love that never dies. 
It's the love that would die for you, that would give its life for you. It's everything and and the entire universe that God created for it to be. It's the perfect love that we all have desired as children, as teenagers, and as adults. It can't get any better than Jesus's love. And I just started this organization because I knew that I wanted to give back. His love compelled me to want to help women like me. So that's what we do. And I want to highly encourage you because I only read a small little part of my book to go to our website and click on the link for Fallen out of the sex industry and into the arms of the Savior. And I'd love for you to purchase this because you're going to help victims of trafficking when you do. Also, it's an auto book form. I actually speak through my entire story. It's my voice. And it's additionally, believe it or not, in Spanish, which is so cool. There's another thing I'd like to tell you that I'd like to share about how much God loves those that are enslaved. Here's what it says in Ezekiel 34, 16. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. In other words, God is saying he's going to get justice for the victims that are being injured and hurt. He will bind our injuries up. He will help our hearts heal. Isn't that beautiful? Then it says in Psalm 82, 4, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. That is our mandate, friends. It says we are to rescue the weak and needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. I want to remind you that if you're a follower of Jesus, this is our mandate to help those that are entangled and entrapped and enslaved in this horrific industry. Here's proof. And this is one of the scriptures that I know that God, when I first started doing this work, we are survivor led, by the way, can't get any better than that. We aren't told by anyone how to run our organization. We are led by survivors that have lived through this, that have had trauma in their lives, that have been abused. And so it says in Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. That is exactly what Jesus did to my heart. I was in a prison of self-hate. I felt ugly. I felt worthless. I was full of shame. I thought I deserved to just go straight to hell. I didn't think I had any value. When I looked in the mirror, I just saw a whore. I saw a used piece of good that the devil had thrown away. But when I found out, when I started reading my Bible, I found out that Jesus loved me. I was blown away because that's what it says. It says that Jesus loves us. 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that's what I want to relate to you. If you feel that you are worth nothing and you feel lost right now, it doesn't need to be that you're from the sex industry or if you are, it doesn't matter. If you've been hurt, been abused, been used by people, I want you to know that Jesus is for you. He's not against you. God's not mad at you. He loves you with an everlasting love, enough to die for you. And you can take that to the bank because let me tell you something. I know that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Your life is eternal. And when you accept Jesus into your heart, that's where you're going to go to. You're going to go to heaven. and You're going to be with him for eternity and all the people that you've loved. Friends, I just want to implore you, if you want to be part of our mission to help us continue to reach victims of trafficking, please don't hesitate to go to our organization. You just got to go to pinkchair.org or pinkchair.com. Just click on our donate button and you click it and you can give 10, 25, 50, 100, 1,000. Takes a lot of money to run safe houses. We have 23 employees and many of our employees are working shifts and double shifts to take care of the victims that we serve. And they're giving them the love of Christ. And I just want to ask you, would you please consider to be a monthly partner of our organization? Every single dollar that you give is a tax-deductible donation. So please, again, go to pinkchair.org and donate. And our outreach is actually called Hookers for Jesus. And that's what we do. We go into the dark, disturbing, destroying waters of sex trafficking. And we pull the victims out. We pull them to shore. We pull them into our boat. And we row them to safety. We dry them off. And we give them a brand new life. Thank you so much for watching Annie's Pink Chair today. I am Annie Lobert, And I'll see you next time. Hi, friends. Let me read you part of my book about my story, Becoming a Trafficking Victim in Las Vegas. The Skyway Lounge in downtown Minneapolis was a happening strip joint. Slick businessmen in fancy suits strolled in for lunch and after work. Ties loosened, money rolling, the tips were great, the best in the area. And dancers lined up to work at this place. I was lucky to be a regular. One Saturday night, I was dancing to Prince's Kiss. Giving some special customers a little extra glimpse of skin when in walked a man who caught my attention. The bright lights illuminating the catwalk stage couldn't distract me from how gorgeous he was. A cross between young Billy D. Williams and Denzel Washington, he wore a gray tweed suit and pointy loafers. He walked confidently, light and smooth, his jerry curl pulled back in a sleek ponytail. My friends, this is my book fallen out of the sex industry and into the arms of the savior. And this is the story of me being turned into a sex trafficking slave in Minneapolis, Hawaii, and Las Vegas, my final destination. This teaches you about trafficking and how it can happen in your own backyard. You think it can't happen to you? Think it can't happen to your girlfriend or your child, your granddaughter, your niece, even your nephew? It can, my friends. If you're interested in this, this is going to help 
you learn about this, but it's also going to give you a call to the charge. You can simply go to pinkchair.org, click on the book to purchase it. You can help us help others get out of trafficking. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.